Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Hey guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. We're back with an exciting guest, a San Diego uh, resident, Ashley Chapman. Ashley, how's it going today? It's going good, Tom. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, you know, we just talked kind of briefly in the pre-show, you know, chat, and uh, you've got a lot going on right now. Yes. A lot of different things going on. Yeah. So um, definitely impressed with some of the numbers and we'll, we'll definitely get into some of that stuff, but can you give us a little bit of a background about like how you got into real estate, when you got in, why you got in and all that good stuff? Yeah. So I come from a background of car sales when I was like 19, 20, I was selling cars in Seattle. Um, did well. I was sitting in the office one day, just like thinking about, you know, doing real estate in Seattle. And then I thought, I freaking hate Seattle. It rains all the time. So I, uh, you know, I was a college dropout prior to that. And I just was like, I'm going to go do real estate in another state. So I moved to San Diego, sight unseen, and started out as an inside sales agent. So I was just cold calling four, six, eight hours a day. And that's literally how I got into it. But I was cold calling foreclosures. Um, So prior to me being licensed, I was just on the phone all day. And uh, I didn't realize what the foreclosure market was going to teach me and how that was going to change my career. Um, And it it, it changed my life. It it did, because that's something that not a lot of new agents learn about, like foreclosures, that sort of uh, mentality with those clients. And, uh, so, you know, I did some short sales. I've negotiated short sales for other agents and, uh, that's how I, how I got into it. So when you moved to San Diego, did you already have the inside sales job lined up or you moved there and then you were looking for a job? Nope. I moved to San Diego without anything. Um, no real estate courses. I had actually started the course, but I didn't finish it. Uh, and I was just for a couple months, I was just like enjoying San Diego. You know, I'd saved money from selling cars, uh, which can be really, really fruitful for your, for you. So it was literally just like, all right, cool. I want to get into real estate. I should get a job as, as an assistant. And then I actually got recruited, uh, on indeed through my resume from my sales background for inside sales. Cool. So were you working for a brokerage doing inside sales? Were you working for an investment company? Who are you doing inside sales for? So I started out doing inside sales with the home company, a small brokerage in San Diego uh, with Christian Peter. And I was cold calling in San Diego and in the Bay Area for one of our partner agents, who is Hans Strazina. Um, He actually, super amazing guy. I, I would cold call for him in that market foreclosures um, and set appointments uh, and in San Diego too. So I had it like divvied up like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would call the Bay area Tuesday, Thursday, I would call San Diego. Okay, 
Good deal. Mm -hmm. So you're working for both of them kind of at the same time. And so now when you were, you know, I'm assuming that they were going after, you said, foreclosures that were they going specifically short sales? Like what types of people were they kind of looking for? Yeah, it was just foreclosures. So it could be a purchase or it could be a listing, but the majority of the deals were short sales. So I thought, okay, this is really easy. Little did I know <laughs> it was going to get really hard. <laughs> so yeah, just foreclosures, a lot of short sales. And that's kind of what opened up the doors to the distressed market and flipping, wholesaling and all that stuff. So, you know, a lot of agents, you know, listen to the show and, you know, a lot of them do a lot of calling. So for you, like when you were doing that job, like how many hours a day were you on the phone? And then what were you trying to kind of achieve on a day-to-day basis when you were making those phone calls or what, what did they want you to achieve like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So, um, this is super important for agents, uh, out there. I think that, I mean, I was hitting about a 10% contact ratio, setting five to seven appointments a week. I was on the phone for six, eight hours a day. Um, for the first 90 days, I was really hitting it hard. Uh, so there was no room for error when, and when I first started, I thought five appointments a week, that's a lot. Like there's no way there are only so many foreclosures, you know, at that point in 2017, the foreclosures were kind of like non-existent. People were like, Oh, you're calling foreclosures. Why? Uh, and I learned really quickly. It was because nobody else was. Mm -hmm. So out of a hundred contacts, a hundred conversations, if I wasn't setting 10 appointments, then I was not doing my job. And I was held to that standard. And it, you know, I, I still go off of that, you know, five to seven appointments a week. Uh, if you make, if you have a 10% contact ratio and you talk to 10 people in a day, you know, you should be setting one to two appointments. So that was, uh, my baseline. And then those other people that I would chat with, they just go right into your sales funnel. And so like, what was, I guess, the pitch? I mean, so obviously, you know, when you're calling or you're mailing or you're doing anything marketing based, like that's a very specific niche of people that are behind on their mortgage. You know, what, what were you leading in with on those people? Um, originally when I started, I had a script that was like, Hey, this is, um, Ashley calling about the trustee sale date that's posted on the property. Mm-hmm. And that script was the same script that everybody calling before I was, was using. They were, they were using something that was tailored around trustee sale date. Mm-hmm. So I quit using it. Um, probably like four or five months in, I quit using it. I mean, we had some deals, but I wasn't doing as well as I wanted to be. And so I changed my script from that to, hey, this is Ashley, do you remember me? (laughs) And, uh, you know, it kind of like knocks people back and they're like, oh my gosh, because there there were a bunch of people calling them, um, but they weren't offering any value. So, you know, it was, I had, I figured out, so they're getting so many phone calls. Of course, they're going to be like, oh shoot, I don't know if I remember you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would use. And then I would just go, you know what, just want to touch base with you on one, two, three main street. What is the situation with that property? Have you solved any issues with it? Mm -hmm. And then it just opened up the floodgates for the story and what was going on. And, oh yeah. And, you know, I would have 30 minute conversations with people who spilled their entire life to me, Mm -hmm. uh, just using very simple language. Um, 
And a lot of that changed for me when I read the book, Never Split the Difference uh, yep. by Chris Voss. That that changed my game uh, immensely. So, and, I've heard, so I've heard people mention that book a million times. What's the really? premise? Because I, I don't know it. Okay. It, really, the whole idea and the, the biggest takeaway from that book, I think, and I can't stress this enough, is mirroring and matching people, their tone, what they say and repeating words that they say. You know, so if you tell me, oh, yeah, well, I don't think I'm really interested in selling for a couple months. Okay, great. What about what, what's going to happen in the next couple months that's going to change for you? Okay, so I, I pull out keywords that they say and repeat it back to them in a question that they then, it, it's super open-ended, right? So it, it brings conversation, not yes or no answers. Um, and that is the biggest thing that I think when you're on the phones that you have to understand. Um, these people don't know you, so you have to pull the information out of them. So now you talked about the fact that you were doing it for a few months and then you kind of changed some of your scripting and your strategy. How long, because a lot of people talk about, you know, using the phone to generate opportunities in business. Um, how long did it take for you both to get comfortable with doing a lot of calling and then to actually see the results? Like, did you get the results right away or did it take a while to build up? No, it, it you know, I got a contract right away. Um, but it, it took me a while after that because you get so defeated, uh, initially, you know, I had never cold called before I went in car sales, you know, people are walking and they're standing right in front of you. If you can't close somebody that's right in front of you, there's a problem. Yep. <laughs> so, um, with cold calling, it's a little bit, it's cold, right? Yep. So, I mean, I would say it did. I mean, it took me it took me a couple months. I mean, probably after six months, I was like, okay, I get it now. All right. This freaking light bulb went off in my head where I was just like, I understand these people. You know, I understood the foreclosure process by that point. I had to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, you know, I had no idea what a foreclosure was prior to that. So, you know, I was literally in the dark for a while. So, I mean, it just hit me one day. I was like, I freaking love prospecting and I'm going to get five appointments today. Mm -hmm. uh, and that mindset shift changed my, my trajectory in business. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love what you said. A couple of points that I want to just kind of elaborate on really quickly for the audience. And I see this all the time. You know, I've, I've got a brokerage, I've got 350 agents and I, I talk to agents all the time about both investing and, you know, growing a traditional business and, people think that you're going to have success with calling right away. But like you just mm -hmm. said, I mean, you're talking about doing it as an ISA. So you were getting paid to have four or five hours of conversations every single day. And with all of that volume, it took you six months to get comfortable um, mm -hmm. and to get the results that you wanted because you needed to learn the scripts. You needed to learn the industry. You needed to learn so much. So it's definitely something with any lead gen strategy, whether it's investing or on the aging side, it's a commitment to get getting really good. I, I think I want, I just, yeah, I, I agree. And I also think the fact is, is like, you have to start doing it to get good at it. Yep. So, so many, so many people are so afraid to start. And I was like, holy crap, if I really want to do this, I guess this is what people do. They cold call. 
You know, I had no idea of the other avenues of business. I didn't do an open house for like two years into my career. <laughs> so um, that was like, you know, people are just scared of rejection. So they don't start. You have to start. You have to get on the phone. You have to mess up. You have to get comfortable with yourself messing up. Um, and you have to get in front of people. It's repetition. So now you were, you were looking to set five appointments in a week from basically calling like all day, obviously, even as an ISA, you can't call for eight straight hours. So you're, you're calling for as much as you can five days a week, trying to set an appointment a day. Um, what would the, just so people understand, like, what were they looking for in terms of the conversion of how many appointments you gave to a contract? Do you, do you have any idea on that? Yeah. You know, um, the majority of it was like one to two of those appointments should convert. So we were going for four contracts a month. Ultimately, <laughs> that was the end goal. Uh, and, and were they were they relying um, their specific business relying on just you to basically be like were they doing any other types of marketing or is it just you calling? At the time, not really. So at the time, you know, that's what they had built their entire business around with ISA, um, cold callers. And so, uh, it was a really, really small team. You know, I was the only cold caller and then we had an admin and then we had one, two agents, um, aside from Hans up in the Bay area. So it was really, really small. And, um, had it been a little bit bigger, I mean, if you're running a team of five, six, seven ISAs you're doing really well. It, it was their entire business model, I would say. Awesome. So you were, you were kind of the first one in. Yeah. Cool. So obviously, um, and you're, you, you, now are you doing investing now yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of bridge the gap between, you know, you, you got, you went to San Diego, just wanted to get out of the cold weather I'm, I'm right now in April. It's a snowstorm out, outside. I'm in Boston. So I, I totally get that feeling right now. Yeah. Um, so you, um, you moved to, to San Diego for the weather. You got mm-hmm. hired as an ISA. You figured that piece out. How long did you stay as an ISA before starting to, you know, peel off and do your own things? So I was an ISA until for almost a year got my license, did some agent stuff, negotiated some short sales. And I would still consider myself an ISA, right? We are lead generators, whether there's somebody else doing it for you or not, which now I do have cold colors that call for me. But regardless, you are always going to be an ISA. I think people um, use that term as like a I don't want to say less than, that's not the right word, but you're an an ISA is somebody that's, that's my forever title. You know, I will forever cold call. I enjoy it. I love it. It gets deals. I now, you know, you get so good on the phone. It's like, boom, I jump on the phone. I know I'm going to get a deal. Right. So, um, you're always, always an ISA, the transition from ISA to agent to investor, they're all the same, you know? Yeah. Well, you've got to get, you've got to get that first line, right? Like you've got to get somebody, you've got to get in somebody's house to start. There's, there's no other way to get business unless you're getting face to face. And it's just a matter then of how you're getting face to face. And there's so many ways you can do it. I mean, calling is great because there's no cost to it. So 
like I, I flip like 120, 150 houses a year. So I'm very, very active. And people mm-hmm. say, well, how do you do so many? I've got a huge marketing budget. So I do a bunch of mailers, pay-per-click, Facebook, all that good stuff. And then, you know, I tell people how much it costs me to get a deal. It's very expensive. And so like for newer people, there's a lot of strategies like you're talking about that are free that don't cost almost anything. I mean, it's, it's minimal. You know, if you're getting a dialing software, you're buying a list and you're putting in your blood, sweat and tears into it. And there's not a lot of startup. Um, so I agree with you. You've got to get business in the door. So are you still actively calling today? And do you have anybody else that's doing it with you? Or do you just self-generate like every deal that you're doing right now? Um, I still call. Um, I mean, I have some really, I have some people that I've been following up since when I first started as an ISA. You know, I know that they're going to turn into a purchase and or a listing or whatever it may be at some point. So I do keep really close tabs on those people. Um, I work, I work in a very um, interesting situation. So I'm kind of like a partner agent uh, to the Middleton Group. One of my um, partners that I I work with, Luke, I, he has a real estate team. So I funnel deals to them when I don't want to do them, uh, and just kind of take a rip off of it. And then I work with a a big investor here in town that I'm training their ISA team at at eight o'clock this morning I was in. We identify objections, discuss them and solve them um, every Friday at eight or 9 a.m. to to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's, I mean, I, it's hard for me to say that, um, you know, I cold call this time every week. Um, I try to at least a couple hours a week still because I, I love it. But, you know, I try to get, I think the, the cool thing about cold calling is you want to develop somebody who is good, as good as you, if not way better, mm-hmm. that can be more successful. So I think that's like the whole point now is like uh, with Marina and John, they're cold calling for us right now. And I'm like, you know, if I can make them better than I am at it, and I know that I'm pretty good then that is like the ultimate success because they're going to bring in business forever. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. So obviously, you know, hitting the phones every day, you know, it takes discipline. um, It takes the right mindset. How do you keep yourself and how did you keep yourself like in the game every single day and keep, you know, pushing forward, even when people were mean to you or rude to you or hung up in your face and all that good stuff? I think you have to be resilient. You have to realize that these people's lives, they have more going on in their life than you need to care about a commission check and or making a hundred grand on a flip. Mm -hmm. These people and the people that I prospect you know, if it's a bad day, like, you know what, it sounds like it was a really bad time. Are, is uh, tomorrow morning or afternoon better for you to chat? Uh, so you have to be in, of the mindset that not every single person is going to love you. I, I don't really care if you're the most lovable person out there. It's a grind. And you just have to know that this isn't the only thing that's going on in their lives. People really don't sell houses that often, right? So 
you need to understand that and be aware and realize that it's not you. It's probably something else and follow up because the money is actually in the follow-up game. That's it. I mean, it really is. You can make appointments on the first phone call. I've done it. I've closed deals on the first appointment, first phone call, and I've done it several times. But um, there are those couple that I will close eventually that are in my follow-up. And they hated me when I first called them. So it's just, you know what? It's, It's kind of like a suck it up thing. Like, I don't care about the excuse. And if you beat yourself up too much, then you're letting you're letting work take over your life. But if this is something that you truly want to do, let it go. Yeah. Um, so now people always ask all the time when it comes to calling, like, who should I call? And so obviously, like, you've got something that's working, what's working for you? And, you know, what do you what would you recommend for somebody that's out there looking for investment deals and listings and stuff like that? Oh, I would recommend so many things. I love calling 90 day lates. They're not a notice of default yet, um, but they need to do something. Uh, and typically in that stage, they need they are trying to do something quickly. So I love 90 day lates. Unemployment, um, code violations are huge. I've always gotten deals from code violation lists. Uh, dealing with the city sucks, but it's worth it. Um, vacants, tax liens are pretty big. I mean, you can run a list just for tax liens over a certain amount, you know? So if it's like a thousand bucks that's recorded, eh, probably not that, not super, um, good, but you know, if it's five, 10, 15, 20 grand in tax liens, you know, that that's a good list. Um, I mean, there, there's so many, I kind of stray away from NODs now, um, unless they have equity, because I don't want to do a ton of short sales. I actually have two short sales I'm negotiating right now. Not, not my, my favorite thing. You know, I want to find the deals that have equity, um, empty nesters. That's a good one, but all of them, I mean, just distressed in general, water shutoffs, anything. And how are you obtaining the list? Title. My title rep is the man. I mean, he, he and I chat probably once a week and it's like, Hey, I need to figure out how to get this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll just think about things. I mean, I've mobile home parks. I mean, there's so many different avenues. If he can't get it for me, he'll point me in the direction of a resource that can. Um, and then I skip trace everything myself. So in order to get reliable data, so Um, but I think agents and investors, they don't realize how big their title rep is, how much leverage that they have using a good title rep and where, um, where they have, uh, in their back pocket as a resource. Yeah. What are you currently working on and what are you looking to do in the next year or two years or three years kind of moving forward? Right now I am working on stacking capital. Uh, because I think the inevitable is going to happen. Uh, we don't have like a, an idea of where the market's going to go, but I think inflation is setting in pretty obviously. So I'm, I'm, you know, gearing up for the time that the market does change and I won't be investing in the San Diego market specifically, but I'll probably be investing out of state uh, using cash to buy. 
that's what it looks like for me. And then also I'm working on development opportunities and syndication. So raising capital, things like that. Um, you know, bigger deals. I don't really care about being a real estate agent too much. So, you know, if I, if I didn't do any deals a year as a realtor, I would be fine. But you are though, right? You just said you were taking on a bunch, right? <laughs> Yeah, so I did. I, I did. I did just get uh, 30 listings with uh, from one of my investors yeah. on 30 condos they're flipping. I brought those in for my teammates. Yeah. So they'll be taking those on and, you know, it gives them a uh, big exposure and huge opportunity in the traditional agent side, which is what they like to do. And it keeps me in the investment side. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you mentioned that, um, you know, you, you wouldn't be investing in San Diego. Why? Well, I, um, the, the appreciation is great. I think if you're flipping, obviously it makes a lot of sense, but for buying holds, um, and some of the opportunities that are going to present themselves in, uh, Texas, Florida, Alabama, some of those areas, uh, big multi-units that are still, you know, five, six, seven caps. That's, um, you know, when you can pay cash for stuff like that, I think you're doing really well uh, on on the cash flow front. So I, you know, that's kind of my game plan. Uh, and then just leveraging property like that. Uh, San Diego is great. The rents are high here, but the taxes aren't exciting. So <laughs> yeah. Do you have any specific states in mind that you're thinking about or you're not sure yet? Yeah, I think Florida is a big one. Um, Florida, Tampa area stuff like that. Uh, Texas, San Antonio is very similar to San Diego, uh, just not with the price tag. And oh, probably, yeah, I mean, th those two states are, are really, really in my, my vision right now, just simply for the opportunity there. Mm. Um, you know, I want to be able to buy cash, not, you know, here, you know, the San Diego market is good. Um, a huge opportunity to buy and hold, and you know, your appreciation is going to be insane. But I'd rather, I'd rather flip houses here and and buy and hold elsewhere. Yeah, we see that a lot. You know, I mean, I'm in Boston. I do the same thing. A lot of people on the coast, where the the margins, it's, it's interesting because in a lot of areas uh, that are high price the flipping margins are big, but then the buy and hold, it's almost impossible in some areas to even buy and hold. So a lot of times, you know, people take their money into other states where the numbers look a little bit different. Um, and we see a lot of that, people putting their money in Texas and Florida and Midwest states for, for more buy and hold purposes. Um, yeah. So we've got a lot of agents that, that tune in. And, um, you know, it's interesting because you've gone so far down the investing path to where you're giving up your listings. And we have agents that are listening that like have never done an investing deal. They want to do an investing deal, uh, but maybe they're, they're scared or they don't know what to do next and everything like that. What is the benefit of investing that you've gotten that has made you say like, I don't even want to take listings anymore? Yeah. The biggest benefit to investing is the creative side to it, the challenge. There's something, there's always a way to get a deal done. You know, when you take a listing, you are in control of the deal somewhat. You know, you're kind of at the client's mercy. But when you are the buyer, you have all the control in the world, right? 
in the state in the state of California, seller can't unilaterally cancel. So it's really just thinking outside the box. And I I also too, I think I think when an agent gets a deal as their first investment and they see the opportunity with the check that they make at the end of it, whether it's a flip or a wholesale deal. And so I've just, even if I take a million dollar listing, I could care less about that commission, right? I'm like, okay, 30 grand, not terrible, but I could go out and make a hundred grand off of one deal. So I, I think it's, you know, people are always so worried about their image and their track record. Um, you get you get to a point where you don't care about that. You care about impacting people in a positive way and changing their lives through real estate investing because it is a tangible asset and it is very secure. So I think it's uh, it's a decision that somebody has to make. Do you want to chase a commission or do you want to do something bigger? Yeah. No, I know. I, I agree. I mean, it's like, you know, for, for both of those things, I think you've got the buy and hold side and then you've got the fix and flip side on the fix and flip side. And like you had mentioned, you know, the average, you know, listing isn't a million dollars. So, you know, the average listing, you are making five, eight, ten thousand $10,000 and you are not necessarily adding a zero to the end, but you might be like five times in it on the investing side. And, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for people to make more doing one fix and flip than an agent makes selling homes the entire year. And then the buy and hold side, um, I mean, it's like, as an agent, how else are you going to, you know, build a retirement? I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. how are you going to get passive income and all that good stuff? And I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, that you're going out of state, my brokerage is in Boston and, it's tough. It's tough to, to cash flow anywhere near here, but there are alternatives to go into other states that are a little bit more uh, both uh, landlord friendly and, you know, cash flow friendly. And like you mentioned, stacking money, you know, you can buy a single family cash in a market that's a little bit lower, that's not a San Diego, that's not a Boston, that's not a New York City, stuff like that. You know, to wrap, what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to somebody that's listening right now? Like everything that you've done um, and everything, uh, your experiences, like what would you say your number one investing tip is? Get started. Number one thing I could just, I can't emphasize it enough. I talk to people every day who just want to do it. And I don't, I don't like hearing about people who want to do it. I like to see people who do it. Okay. So, you know, you're only as good as what you put yourself out there for. And if you're not putting yourself out there and just starting, you never get the deal. So yeah. it's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely hear you on that. Like I always tell people the story, like it took me three years to, to do my first deal. And uh, like every single day I was like, oh, I'm going to be an investor. I'm investing, whatever. And like, I got to the point where I was like, said to myself, like, either you're going to do it or you're just going to be talking forever. And then um, I think once you do your first deal, like you don't look back because even the people who most deals, as long as you're being, you know, you're doing things the right way, you're going to do well. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't, you almost feel better doing it and not doing that great than not taking action at all because you learn from your mistakes and you, you've got to get the the ball rolling. So um, Ashley, I want to, you know, thank you for, for coming on definitely very jealous that you're in San Diego right now. And I, like I said, I'm looking out my window right now and it's snowing <laughs> in mid-April. 
Uh, so it's crazy, but, uh, but you know, you made the right move getting, getting into a warm climate. So congratulations on that and all your success. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely have to chat offline. Sounds good. All right, guys, we'll be back next week for another edition of the Agent Investor Podcast with great guests. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.